1982, Knoxville invited the world to come to a fair. If you want to see what makes the world go round, if you want to have the kind of fun that comes just once, in every lifetime, if you want to see how history is being made in Tennessee, Four decades later, the city is remembering that transformative event. Promoters of the fair claimed history was being made in Tennessee. And on this podcast series, we'll explore some memorable aspects of the fair and its legacy. I'm Ernie Freeberg, a history professor at the University of Tennessee. The department has partnered with WUOT and several community organizations to create this podcast series that we call When the World Came to Knoxville. And we're glad you've decided You've got to be here. The 1982 World's Fair. You've got to be there. On this podcast, we'll look at what remains the most visible legacy of the fair, the Sun Sphere. Designed to promote the fair's energy theme, the Golden Globe became the most distinctive feature of the city's skyline. As the 26-story tower went up in early 1982, the unique building drew local interest and national attention. World's fairs traditionally center around a theme structure. That building which becomes the focal point or symbol of the fair. Our theme structure is the Sun Sphere, 266 feet high, with a restaurant, lounge, and observation decks in a gold glowing sphere. Kim Bumpus, head of the city's tourism bureau, says the Sun Sphere still draws curious visitors long after many have forgotten its history. You know, I was over there every now and then, and a variety of different offices have been located there. And you would meet a visitor, and they would be like, oh, our car broke down. We're from Ohio. The car's being fixed right now. We saw this big gold ball, so we thought we would come up in here. What is this? George Dodds, architectural historian at the University of Tennessee, says the 40-year-old building is a recent chapter in a much longer history of fair architecture. The, the Sun Sphere is a part of festival architecture, which is an old tradition that goes back millennia, actually. But in terms of this particular kind of festival architecture, it goes back uh, really to the 19th century. Uh, the thing that started it all was the Eiffel Tower in, in Paris. And then what brought it to the United States was the Columbian Exposition in, in Chicago. The 1893 Columbian Exposition in Chicago drew millions of visitors to what was hailed as the White City. Architect Daniel Burnham filled the fairgrounds with stately and ornate exhibition halls, plazas, and fountains. It was a showcase of Gilded Age ideas about what the city of the future should look like. It was a brilliant vision, but one that was never realized in real life. In fact, the White City buildings were made of wood and plaster, torn down soon after the fair ended. The structure that did survive and the one that we most remember from that 1893 fair, was a massive wheel built by George Washington Ferris that towered over the midway. Like many distinctive fair buildings before and since, that Ferris wheel was more fun than functional, much like the Eiffel Tower. Chicago itself was, at that point when they were planning the exposition, uh, not much to speak about as a city. Uh, In fact, they were, at one point, they were planning on, on building uh, another Eiffel Tower that was just simply taller than the one in Paris. <laughs> so, so since really since uh, since the Eiffel Tower, 
uh, which of course was, as as everyone knows, much maligned when it was when when it was first finished, and now of course is much beloved. It has been a part of that kind of marker, the kind of tall. Uh, marker has been a part of every international exposition, I'm pretty sure, uh, since, since the, that Paris exposition. So the Eiffel Tower was once ridiculed and is now beloved. If the sun sphere is Knoxville's very own Eiffel Tower, as some suggest, opinion on it remains divided. A lot of people made fun of it as a disco ball and, uh, and all that, uh, or the golf, golf ball on a giant tee. That's Jack Neely, director of the Knoxville History Project. I remember a, uh, in particular, a speech that was given by a, a preservationist named Leopold Adler from Savannah. He was a very well-known preservationist. He's kind of, kind of the guy who credited with, with saving modern Savannah to some degree and was also on the National Trust. He was a director of the National Trust for Historic Preservation. He came to Knoxville in 2000 and uh, came and, and gave a talk at the KMA, at the Museum of Art, on the, on the fair site within clear view of, of the sun sphere. It was interesting to see this guy. He was close to 80 years old. He was wearing a, a nice suit uh, and tie and uh, he had a southern accent and was seemed like the sort of guy that Knoxville businessmen would would respect. Um, and there, the mayor and city council were there and, and there were you know developers and, and uh, you know, all sorts of politicians and, and uh, philanthropists were there. He, he said, I, I need to tell you something, Noth- Knoxville. And he, he said, nobody, nobody's going to take take Knoxville seriously and, until you tear that damn thing down. <laughs> well, this, this was, the room was, was, there was some, a little bit of chuckling, but it was mainly just a, a weirdly silent moment after he said that. I think people did, did not know what to make of, make of that uh, a preservationist d- demanding the building be torn down. So is the sun sphere an architectural treasure that makes our skyline distinctive, or is it a festive curiosity that served its purpose back in 1982 and like Chicago's White City, should be remembered but not preserved. One person who's thought about this for the past 40 years is Don Schell, current CEO of the architectural firm Community Tectonics. Back in 1979, as a young architect in that firm, he was involved in designing the building and pitching it to the fair's planners. He remembers being approached by Lytton Cochran, a member of the fair's planning board. He, they said, well, we could probably do it. When he, he said, I need it tomorrow. <laughs> said, I've got a board meeting, and we've been talking about that, and we don't have one, so could you come up with an idea? Getting the concept approved by the fair organizers was the easy part. Financing posed a greater challenge. They, um, they took that information, went to KIAA, and said, here's a concept. And everybody loved it. I said, let's do that. The only problem was no money. They didn't have any money to hire architects. They didn't have any money to do it, hire a developer or anything else. They just said... That's a great idea. Why don't you, why don't you all promote that? Well, craziest architects, we decided to do that. So the sun sphere needed to be designed, approved by code officers under a tight budget, and erected on a busy fair site on short notice. Paris had the Eiffel Tower, Seattle the Space Needle. So it was only natural that Knoxville should come forth with a symbol that would draw attention to itself and to the fact that it was indeed hosting an event of international significance. We had to come up with a design that was quick to build and economical because tower structures that we're familiar with today, such as the Eiffel Tower and the Space Needle, have all kinds of special configurations, plate girders, all kinds of special pieces. 
The significance here is that this tower is out of a steel handbook. So we had a real special problem in creating a design that was aesthetically pleasing, yet every piece could be bought down at your local corner steel plant, so to speak. Another challenge was the location itself. Though the building towers over the grounds, the fair site is in a valley. Architectural historian George Dodds. Because when you're driving into the city from certain locales, uh, what you see is this big, particularly it depends on the time of day, but the, uh, at certain times of the day, you see this wonderful glowing bouncing ball, you know, like they used to have in the, the old days when you'd be watching cartoons and the bouncing ball would go along with the words and you could sing along. That's what goes through my head. And, and I just think, this is not the way you're supposed to see this tower. <laughs> it's supposed to be sort of way up and, and, uh, and it's not. You're, you, it takes a while before you actually even see that it is a tower. You just think it's a, and it just reminds me of the Women's Hall, you know, Basketball Hall of Fame. It's like we already have a big you know, orange ball in town. We don't need a, another one. But the Sun Sphere remains Knoxville's most visible orange ball, and one that is unavoidable, not only on the city skyline, but in reproductions on everything from T-shirts to Christmas ornaments. For the architects, that was an opportunity missed. I'm amazed at the number of people. You can talk to anybody about the Sun Sphere. Now, some of the architects thought that wasn't the best thing in the world. You know, who was it, the guy on TV that did a, made fun of He thought it was a golf ball sitting on a big tee. But in reality, it's one of the most visible elements. If you look at anything on the news forecast or everything, and, and I was smart enough to know at the time if it's possible to copyright it, we should, and we did. But what I didn't know is I didn't know anything about copyright because if you don't protect it, you lose it. Texture, you think about it, it had a purpose, you know, it had a purpose of representing something that was happening, an event, a historical event. It did represent an energy element that we ought to give more thought to about, about what we could do. But also it became an icon for there's not other no other building is more of an icon, even anything at even Nayland Stadium. It's, it's definitely an iconic building. It's iconic because it stands out. I mean, I guess that's a good thing. That, that I mean, imagine if there were 12 of them. I think it's awesome. Kim Bumpus of Visit Knoxville. I mean, I think it's a unique structure. It tells an important story. Some good, some bad, some things we want to remember, some things we don't. And I get all that, but it's a part of Knoxville. It's our history. And visitors gravitate to it. The Sunsphere's ability to intrigue visitors is one reason that Visit Knoxville is raising funds now to restore and maintain the building. Like other aspects of the fair, the financing of the Sunsphere did not work out as the original planners had hoped. The restaurant folded, the city took over the building, and while tenants have come and gone, for years many floors were empty, while the structure deteriorated from lack of maintenance. Kim Bumpus sees the renewed interest in the World's Fair during this 40th anniversary as a fresh opportunity to preserve the building. Visit Knoxville has remodeled the Sunsphere's observation deck and charges a modest admission to visit. Funds that will be used to keep up with expensive repairs and the challenge of cleaning the building's 360 panes of reflective gold glass. 
Those who take the elevator ride to the observation deck will enjoy what she calls an elevated experience, including exhibits on the history of the building and the fair, and a gift shop full of SunSphere souvenirs. But for historian George Dodds, he's happy to remain on the ground. I, mean, I think really the best thing about the SunSphere is at the base, there are just all these wonderful pools where kids play. And I mean, it's just so lively at the base, you know, the way it's used. I was shocked the first time I went there with my child when she was attending the Early Learning Center here on campus and just how alive the place is. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just uh, wonderful just to see that. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, in that way, the spirit of the, of, um, of the fair, I guess, still lives on uh, in some ways. I mean, it's just a very, very lively place. And to see how many different kinds of people interact there. I mean, it really truly is a place where north, south, east, west of the city just all come together. And uh, it's really, really quite lovely. Came to Knoxville is a four-part podcast series that looks at the history and legacy of Knoxville's 1982 World's Fair. It's a partnership between the University of Tennessee History Department, WUOT, the Knoxville History Project, the Tennessee Archive of Moving Image and Sound at the Knox County Library, and the East Tennessee Historical Society. The program is funded in part by a grant from Humanities Tennessee, an independent affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. I'm Ernie Freeberg, professor in the University of Tennessee History Department. Thanks for listening. The 1982 World's Fair. You've got to be there.